give me a kiss to build a dream on And my imagination will thrive upon that kiss Ooh, sweetheart, I ask no more than this A kiss to build a dream on Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, MBs, and hopefully you can hear my voice now and you don't have to hire yourself a lip reader. Uh, <laughs> sorry about the technical issues there. Uh, we're back. I'm Shaden, and this is Warrior Desho's second stream covering Decadence, the, you know, surprise smash hit, like, amazing show of the otherwise cursed hell year that is 2020. Uh, the potential Izokin killer. We're getting close to that point now, aren't we? I mean, there's only two episodes left. Two episodes. If it sticks to the landing, it'll be better than Izokin. And you, you know, Doc, like... If you, if I, if I had said to you, like, you know, in, say, April, that, oh, would you believe it? There's going to be an anime in 2020, like, the worst fucking year ever, uh, that is better than Keep Your Hands Off Izoken. You'd have had license to commit me to a place that doesn't even have a single padded cell. It's just a box. That's where you can put me. Because you'd think I was crazy. You'd think I was talking complete nonsense or speaking in tongues. But no, we're here talking about this amazing show that's come pretty much out of nowhere. New studio, new concepts. It's not adapted from a light novel or a video game or anything that I'm aware of. And it's just incredible. Uh, and it continues to be incredible, as we'll elaborate in this coming podcast. But yes, uh, I'm Shaden, and joining me uh, from across the pond of Close Mountain, all the way from Tennessee, it's the Subtle Doctor. Hello, fam. I hope everybody is doing well and is as safe and healthy as possible uh and yeah i hope you're enjoying your friday love to podcast on a friday and like so so happy that we have something just unequivocally straight up no frills good i mean will we have nitpicks sure but we have this thing that we can really be we can really be enthusiastic about just to talk about it because it's like been a week man i don't know about you well actually i do know about you because we were just talking about it but i don't know about you (laughs) i I do i do know about you 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 said that in such a way like as if you knew that i had some like secret personality disorder (laughs) or something that the public doesn't know about i know know about about you i know about your issues okay we don't need to oh man i mean (laughs) but but i hope nothing it's all gone no, I hope everybody out there, like, if you haven't had a shitty week, like, you're doing better than us. But if you have, it's Friday now. It's, like, either over or almost over, and you get to hang out with uh, a really bad anime podcast and talk about a really, really good show. I'm pumped. This is going to be a good discussion. I can feel it in... Um, Whatever is like a, I was going to say my bones, but it's a deeper level than that. What's deeper than bones that you feel things in? Soul? The soul? Is the soul deeper than bones? This is a question. We should do a poll. (laughs) Oh, no. Like, are we going to get on that? Like, is this the point where we're going to come up with our own version of that galaxy brain meme? Mm -hmm. Bones, soul, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Yes. Oh, God. Feel free to come up with that, by the way, if you want, folks. Um. But anyway, yes, we're here to discuss Decadence, um, and we're going to be going through our usual stuff here for second stream format, which is we're going to talk about the creators for a little bit, we're going to go into patron questions, uh, we'll then also do our long-form talk on like various talking points we've got about the show. Uh, we are covering episodes 7, 8, 9, and 10 this week. Ooh. 
The reason we're doing that is because, unfortunately, Doc, like, you know, was the victim of a miscast Wrath of God uh, and yeah. had to, unfortunately, not be around one Friday uh, due to a tornado warning, which uh, thankfully did not, you know, get him. He didn't have to twist again like he did last summer, so that's fine. We're all good. Um, that's good. Some, I like that. Some, <laughs> but subsequently, as a result, um, we had to do Brand New Animal a week after, and then because we have a schedule, it kind of pushes everything along so we're playing catch up here so that way we don't end up then causing problems with the new shows we'll be covering for the fall season uh, or is it awesome i don't know i can never tell like how anime seasons work it always seems like it's one ahead or one behind from what i think it is but you get my point um you were right though so it is the fall oh coming up next month sweet fall what gets me is that uh <laughs> coming out now, why is the game re-released it's the fall remaster <laughs> right. yes yeah on the uprise we've just done an uprise on fall and it should be really good you should we we worked out the bugs but we haven't changed any of the core gameplay because we know you love it and we don't want to mess with what's already good. if it ain't broke don't fix it the fall coming to you mm-hmm. did they so, the fall is an actual game i think it's an adventure game by the way an episodic one that i don't know if they've even finished i know two episodes are out it was supposed to be pretty fun anyway old pc games that people don't care about hello gogo atomic robot uh and yuki Don, if you're still there um Welcome he everyone. himself now. He's 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 being equitable of us. Okay, thank you, thank you. So he's showing some solidarity. How <laughs> good of it. Um, so if you're not familiar to this format because you're joining us late, uh, maybe you're catching this where it's gone free to air. Uh, our second stream format admits a lengthy. Well, in fact, we kind of admitted that in general now, but we don't really do a plot summary or summation <laughs> you, of the episodes that we cover. Do you want to do the whole? Can you summarize it in two minutes? For this no, one, no, because I can't. Do, I, no, not a chance. I I can't. I can't do that. Um, so what instead we're going to do is of course we're going to go through talking points and patron questions and we'll provide context as we go where it's appropriate yep yep but also these things nice and streamlined yeah yeah but also we have um, one creator in particular to talk about but first before we do that let me remind everyone to follow Watery Desho on Twitter it is uh, kind of our go-to place for communication for most things, apart from the Discord, uh, where we talk to patrons. Um, but yeah, follow us there. You can see when streams go live. You can get our comments on things. You can get uh, whenever the podcast goes public and the YouTube videos that we do. Uh, we don't always put those on Discord, and and it's hard to have a single feed for everything. Mm. Um the Patreon gets most things, but like YouTube can't really be incorporated into that, um, or at least we haven't done that. So yeah, on Twitter, and you can talk back to us. You can interact with us lovely hosts there. So yeah, yeah, follow WD on Twitter. And also, we have a Patreon if you'd like to support us financially. It's at patreon.com slash W-A-R-U-I-D-E-S-H-O-U, Watery Desho. And Mm -hmm. everyone watching and listening now is, of course, a patron. But when this goes free to air, I suspect many uh, people will not be. But head on over there and you can get all sorts of crazy wild benefits. Uh, You can be part of group watches, game nights. Mm -hmm. You can ask questions that we have to answer. You can get exclusive podcasts. Um, You could get, uh, like... um, 
Oh, I just had something else. Oh, you could get to be part of our Discord, which is such fun. So head on over there mm-hmm. and subscribe if you are able to, if you see anything you like. Um, yeah. You get to engage in sick banter. <laughs> what more do you want? Sick, sick banter. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yep. sick banter. What What more could you possibly want? And all for just like, you know, $2 or whatever your local currency denomination is in exchange per month. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you can cut out a cup of coffee from your life. Come on, give us give us some change. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm, I'm excuse All me right. while I go and trademark the name Sick Banter. Uh, I'd like to create a, a rap faction, uh, a group, and we'll be called Sick Banter. Um, really, uh, love a bit of Sick Banter. Really quickly, episode directors for this set of episodes. We've talked about two of them: uh, Yuji Oya and uh, Hideyuki. Uh, Satake. Uh, Satake directed episode three. Oya directed episode four. But we have to talk about um, Hiroyasu Aoki, Mm -hmm. who directed episode number nine of Decadence, also did the storyboard for episode nine. Um, A smallish CV. So this person appears to be um, on the newer side to the industry. Did a, a, a decent amount of work on the, it's not new anymore, but it's the newer of the two Hunter Hunter adaptations. This is a manga that I keep saying Shadon should read, or at least watch the anime. Um, you, because, you want my camera and like, you know, yeah, thoughts, exactly. You? You, want, you want my takes it's, on that, because well, that's all I have people talk about. <laughs> I mean, it's tremendous. It's a, it's an excellent piece of shonen um and not just an excellent in terms of like like you know how you'll have like you have like a shonen formula and it's like oh this is a great example of of kind of the tried and true formula i feel like hunter hunter is even more than that it's really unique i think in the space um and i think it, its approach to fights will it's not like perfect i suspect that you'll have issues with some of it but like the attempt is, oh. is so cool and i think appeals to some of the things you like about fights, but um, I, I mean, Doc, look, I, I I earned my honorary degree in nitpicking, and I'm damn well going to use you it. Should. I'm just saying, you should. Um, but yeah, Aoki here was the assistant director for episodes 27 through 89 of Hunter Hunter, and was the sole, like the chief director, uh, the the top credited director on 11 uh, other episodes. And did some storyboards. So, mm. uh, this person directed the OP and ED of, uh, like, sort of, I guess it's not a surprise hit, but, like, it surprised me that it hit over here, High School of the Dead. Did you ever oh, see okay. High School of the Dead? Nope. But you've heard of it, yes? Yes. Okay, so, yeah, it's like, I think this has penetrated nerd fandom in like a broader way I'm glad you finished that sentence you, you left too long of a pause after saying I'm, I'm, I'm like this <laughs> Jesus Apologies. Christ I, I, I was like oh. you know this this is turning into some soundboard stuff here like hey. you're gonna be, you know, like you're set by a guy <laughs> yes uh, and oh this person also I guess man I say this person's new but like the, it's just a small CV I, but like the stuff they've been working on you know was was in the early part of last decade, um, like the Hunter Hunter, but also oh. the like, do you remember? Do you do you recall? Um, this might have even been in the two thousands, not even in the twenty tens. But when oh bloody hell, I can't remember what happened last week, mate. So this is gonna be a stretch, <laughs> but do try me. Okay, well th- this one this one might 
might have stuck. Um, do you remember when Studio Madhouse and Marvel got together and were like, let's make a bunch of Marvel anime? Oh, I know there was an Iron Man one. I remember yes. that. Okay, so there was also an X-Men one and a Blade one. And uh, Aoki here worked on the OPs and EDs uh, for those. Um, yeah, which is just like a, a weird <laughs> thing. But but they've been... Uh, and Hunter Hunter, I think, was also a Studio Madhouse thing. So they've been doing work at Studio Madhouse um, for a while. But now they are involved with this studio that I'm frantically trying to look up because I can't remember who the studio is that's doing is, this is it show. Studio, isn't it Studio Nut? Like, I think they're brand new, aren't they? Studio Nut. We discussed this, I'm sure. I think we did, but I can't fucking remember. Okay, I'm, I'm going to give him. It's, it's, been, it's, been, it's been a long year. Decadence Mal. I'm going to go to the side of evil. Yes, it is. You're right. Studio <laughs> Studio Nut. <laughs> God, uh, I mean, you, you know full well like the first line of their address is going to be number 69 on one hey, of the Hey, yeah, they are really new. You, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing you were saying about that direct sub, I think is worth noting, is while you said their CV was short, like, how many episodes, like, again, did you mention they did of uh, Hunter Hunter? I almost said Hunter X like, Hunter, but I didn't want to get stuck. <laughs> over 50 as the assistant director. So, like, yeah. Just, okay, like, you can make the argument that they're not quite as in, experienced in, like, the varieties of different shows. But working consistently on a long-form show like that in of itself is its own kind of experience, which is mm-hmm. worthwhile. So, you know, it's a, it's a, how should we say, it's a short CV, but there's a lot of text underneath each, like, paragraph, if you know what I mean. It's, uh, so it's, cr- it's crunchy. Closer. It's got some, some chunk to it. Uh, but now, okay, so that's all the don't 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 eat their CV. No, no. Uh, I will try to refrain from that. Uh, but now, I guess I think it's time. Now we're going to do patron questions, right? You are correct, indeed. Uh, so we have a couple this week that come from Kate Rose. Uh, I'm just going to find them. Thank you, Kate. I would not leave in advance. We appreciate Hello. it. Okay. Uh, so the first question goes something a bit like this. Uh, which one would you have sided with? Uh, Kabaragi and destroying the system or Turkey and maintaining the status quo? Turkey being the character and not the nation. Just <laughs> uh, so we need, we need to provide we, we need to provide a bit of context here. Uh, and I'm going to do that while Doc tries to recover from that awful joke. Um, so in if it wasn't clear from Kate's question, uh, Kabaragi gets <laughs> what he wants in the end here. Uh, he and Natsume join up to destroy the Gadol completely by basically... Well, it's called the GG Protocol, believe it or not, which I think is an amazingly <laughs> cute reference. Uh, what is it? I, uh, I, I can't... Get, no, it's GGS. So GGs, like in games. <laughs> it's a uh, Gadol genocide, I think, right? Yeah. yeah. But so it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's, it's the kill spree. It's the kill switch for all of the um, all the Gadol, which is inside a factory. Uh, it's inside the only factory that produces. Are you them, saying they flipped the switch to launch Gamergate? Is that what you're saying? Oh no! <laughs> well, to be fair, to be fair, I imagine some of the people who uh, took part in Gamergate too both look, sound, and act like Gadol. So, there oh, you go. am I wrong? Nope, though? nope, nope, nope. 
Exactly. So, okay, yes, uh, Kabaragi's goal basically is to tear down the entire system because he, after he comes back um, from prison, because he escapes prison through, you know, another one of those machines uploads his consciousness from his cyborg body into his avatar, um, he meets up again with Natsume, they have a talk, and that talk leads him to realise that, this is something I'll be addressing later because I find it really fascinating, but mm-hmm. basically he's realised that what he's done is nowhere near enough, he has to rip down the entire thing. Burn the you know burn the forest down start from scratch and that involves as one part of it destroying the gadol completely like destroying the factory and killing every last one of them through this system. On the other hand, we have Turkey, which is the most non like non intimidating name for a prisoner ever. Um, so Turkey's plan, uh, and this is something else we're going to address later uh, through these talking points. I can't, I know Turkey's plan. <laughs> If I, if I called him Turk, though, people would think I was referring to the character from Scrubs, so I can't win right, here. Right, right. So, so Turkey, uh, he, um, he, you know, says to uh, Sarkozy, or Sarkozy, rather, uh, hey, you know what, like, I've got a good thing going here in prison. I'm going to leave things as they are. I'm going to rat Kabaragi and the rest of them out to the game police, <laughs> uh, as they're called. Uh, and everyone's going to, you know, get... Killed I, except for me. Can, so you might want to be on the winning side, bud. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> can I just say, like, I actually, I'm laughing at the names because they sound silly in my ears, but I, I do take the story quite seriously. And I, I, and I think it's like intentional almost that the names are so kind of, uh, uh kind of goofy, uh, to, to us that, but, the, the stakes are so high and like the things that they're uh, doing and the things that they represent are so huge and like a lot of human suffering is on the line. And yet it's just these really silly names. Um, again, I think that that's an intentional choice though. And I, I like it, mm-hmm. but please continue, continue your answer. I just wanted to say that I'm not laughing at <laughs> like the show's kind of what it's trying to do. Just the you hearing you say Turkey a lot is funny to me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be saying even more. Um, so basically, we have uh, change versus things staying the same. Um, I have two answers for this because there's an answer that I can give um, that I would like to believe I would do, but there's also the answer that I would give that in reality would happen because I'm just a regular schmuck. And indeed, that I would probably more like Sarkozy in this respect, funnily enough, because he has his own choice of do I keep things the same or do I and bring about change uh so ideally i would like to tear down such a system but in reality maybe i'm not brave enough to do that i'm not i mean like you hear for example like about these people say well if i was there at this particular horrific event i would have and i'm like bullshit you fucking would have don't chat shite you'd have been a pissing yourself all over the corner um so my point is i would very much like to be one of those people who would like do the kabaragi so to speak but i would probably uh bowl a turkey instead oh <laughs> have you ever bowled a turkey in real life uh i think i did once as have i it was, a, it, was it was it was a rare occasion it was glorious mm. i've maybe twice but yeah like not i think i've gotten a half turkey as well which is the three spares i didn't even know it was a thing until it came up on the video board um nice. so so what what would i yeah i kind of am going to I take the same like tact as you i would like to think that i would have been as brave and 
uh, just unselfish as uh, Kaburagi. Um, but man, it's it's really hard to to say as I for sure would have. Yeah, I mean, when you're, you know, as someone who myself has a lot of privilege and whose life comparatively is like pretty good, you know, it's one of those things that like when we we talk about change and everything a lot, but like when you're talking about change that will help not just uh, help, help positively and affect not just like the, the worst off and the least off, but like change things for for you for me like you know that's um again I, i'd like to think that i would still make make the right choice what i consider the right choice but it's really hard when you're staring down the barrel of that gun so to speak um mm-hmm. to 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 pick the sort of noble the noble uh thing to to choose mm-hmm. to choose the right thing that i think we both agree is like the right thing in concept but um yeah. But it's tough, and um, Turkey. I just want to say, like Turkey's like um, line. You know, I just I didn't want things to change. It was good enough for me as it is. Like, is like a refrain repeated throughout these four episodes. And this is I'm so glad we get to talk about this block. And I'm sure we'll get into this as we go. But like, but yeah, yeah. the idea of like there's all kinds of different reasons for people to um, prefer the status quo to. Well, to like a well, change, it's be, right? It's time for me to be a pretentious literary twat, uh, which is to say, uh, what did John Milton write in Paradise Lost? What was Satan's famous line from that? Oh my God. That it's a rain in hell than serving heaven. heaven. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And that's not the last thing I'll be quoting. We'll get to that later. Uh, Kate <laughs> yeah. has a follow-up to that though, which is what's the pros and cons of your choice? So let's go with the ideal choice here. Like both of us would want to change the system. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the pro, like, is that we don't allow this thing to continue. Like, in this case of decadence, it is literally that, you know, the humans can't live the fullest life. They can't, they can't be free. They're literally just being fed to wood chippers for the amusement of robots. That's really all it is. It's something that can't continue. Yeah. It should never have been allowed to begin, you know, mm-hmm. like, where people grow up, like, living lives like, oh, we're going to defeat the Gadol today. It's going to be great. And, oh, no. And then they all die horribly. I mean, in episode 10, like, also, like, Natsume's father being murdered as well because of him getting too close to the truth. I mean, as much as I can talk in the abstracts about, like, what's wrong with the system, that also is really good from a narrative standpoint mm-hmm. to show that there's very personal stakes here. Like, never mind, like, hey, I want to live, live free, you know, and not worry about the Gadol, like, wrecking my home. Uh, the system took my father. The daring to fight once to be know the truth that was is really good about like all the characters even kaburagi and all the way down to you know natsume donatello everybody having like like yeah you know let's like stop the system and do this grand thing but also let's fulfill my my personal goals here like everyone like you said has uh skin in the game in a real way yeah the con though i this is gonna probably actually make me lead into my talking point on this now which is that between um oh holy crap we have uh we have a we have a valerie in here hey wow how you doing, Val? valerie get get your ass back on the podcast sometime <laughs> we miss you we miss you you. She, you you would love decadence honestly you would. you would love it you would um i mean you are a video game developer you'd appreciate it um but okay point point being point being um the con um the long con 
so I, I quoted John Milton's Paradise Lost there, you know, one of the most famous, like, works of, like, modern English fiction. Like, it was about, you know, fighting back. Like, basically, mm-hmm. Satan's a sympathetic villain in that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the line is true. Better reign in hell than serve in heaven. Um, but there's also, uh, this is something that I learned while watching, of all things, Star Trek VI. Uh, there's also something from Hamlet and the Undiscovered Country, which goes something like, better to bear those burdens that we have than go to where, uh, go to those that we do not know. That kind of thing. And that, I think, is why Turkey has this perspective, because even though he is literally in a shit factory, that is what it is, and I yeah. I love the show's audacity for making it oh, literally so that they are shuffling shit. There is no, like, it's not like, oh, you know, we're working Amazon Warehouse, which, don't get me wrong, that's bad, that's terrible. But no, we're literally going all in. Subtleties for losers here. It is a shit factory. Like, even though he's working there, there is still a hierarchy there. There's still the people with privilege, and he is one of them. So why would he want to risk giving that up? Um, and so, you know, um, but, but that's just on his level. On a wider level, if you tear down the system, um, what happens next? There is, mm-hmm. regrettably, a certain amount of safety, only a little bit of it, and comfort in knowing how things play out. It's a scary world out there. That's why we have Faye, uh, the character that Natsume knows, say, I didn't want things to change. A lot of the characters, both Cyborg and Human, feel this reticence towards change, be on a personal or wider level. Um, Not, which not to me. Which gets to the show's credit. That she, uh, yeah, she even said, yeah. I was, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I thought you were going to pause there. And I could sneak it in. Just to say, not to me, even says that at one point, for sure. Yeah, it's a yeah. it's an oft-repeated refrain. Yeah, and the, the thing about the condo is, let's assume that decadence, the actual place, is completely destroyed. I mean, they lose all the oxyone, for example. They're all going to like live a pretty like subsistence dirt farming life forever. Like it's uncertain, you know. They they may end up a little worse than where they are now. You know mm-hmm. what's what is the what is you know one or two people's like blood to grease the wheels if you want to view it that yeah. way. Not a sentiment I agree. No, with, yeah, no, I hear you. But 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 you can totally see how people might find themselves comfortable even with what little they have because there's no guarantee that if things change so dramatically they'll be able to keep hold of it. Better the devil you know, right? Uh, exactly. And this show is so good at exploring that. Like, I'm not even talking about like some other stuff as well, which I'll get to in yeah. a bit. But yeah, that's the con. Uh, so that's why Turkey is a great character, not mm. just because... I mean, you, you might argue... Well, that makes no sense. Like, you know, why would he want that? He's in a literal shit factory. But it's to Decadence's credit that he can put a character in such a low place, such an awful position, and still make the very clear argument that even in that, there is still privilege, there is still hierarchy, and people will fight to defend it, even when it's not necessarily their best interests. Totally. I mean, if you think about this um, from... Like, you don't even have to think about it from... The point of view of, like, bringing down the grand structure of capitalism. You can think about it as a more, like, concrete real-world example, Shadon. Like, it's why people often stay in jobs they hate, right, that are are shitty. Because there's, like, a degree of shittiness that they feel like, okay, like, I understand what's going on here. I can put up with that. I mean, granted, a lot of time, you know, people are trying to get out and they just can't. But I, I think there are also people that don't really enjoy their jobs that much. And they could, mm-hmm. in theory, be doing something more with their lives, something they find more fulfilling. But, like, they know they're going to get a certain amount of money. 
they can put up with the bullshit that they that they find they they feel like you know okay it's worth it or whatever and they don't make that kind of change so like yeah i think people make these kind of trade-offs a lot and so from my point of view like it's not like a weird um like i didn't find i wasn't like turkey why like this is not understandable this is not a motive i can wrap my arms around like it's super understandable. And yeah, I agree with you that he is a good character. Um, but what are the pros and cons? I mean, I think you probably touched on most of them. I mean, the the pro is that like you would alleviate like a really heinous form of human suffering in the world. Um, and that is a very good thing. Um, the con is the great unknown. And that's, uh, you know, God, like when you shake up the structure of the world, um, kind of that deeply, um, it is, uh, it is a good thing, but maybe not every single outcome for every, every single person is going to be desirable. I mean, you could even argue that, uh, like a character like Pipe, you know, a Gadol mm-hmm. is an innocent, uh, but because of this. Well, Gabaragi certainly seems to think so when we get back to, oh my God, that scene. Yeah. And but oh, and and yeah. Pipe dies, but as a result of what happens, like you know, and it's for the greater good and all that. But like, you know, it, it it's it's not going to be without cost. It's not going to be cost free. So, mm-hmm. absolutely right. Uh, next question from Kate goes something like this: Why do you think Natsume regretted knowing the truth about decadence? Um, I think part of that is something that I've already is what I've already discussed about you know like better to bear what we know than go to what we don't. But I think a part of that also is now that she has a responsibility, like she's now part of the lie. She's now party to it. And that in of itself carries an immense weight. Like we see that, for example, when she meets up with the rest of the humans having their celebratory party that the Gadol are gone. And it's a party they could definitely celebrate this time because they are all gone, save for one, because... God! And I want to get to that because that's actually something I might be a little critical Fuck. about. But I'll get to that later. <laughs> But I'll get to that later. Uh, but they otherwise like have every right to celebrate. But uh, Natsume knows the truth, and she's party to the lie now. You know, it's like when you, it's like, say, like you know someone who's having an affair, and you know their partner as well, and you don't then tell their partner, but you're just as guilty now of not saying in a sense. I mean, obviously you're not the one committing the crime. But even that carries a weight on it. And then what you scale that up to what we have here, which is, oh, uh, I know that the world that we live in was a lie that was designed essentially for the entertainment of robots. Can you imagine telling that to someone? To anyone? If she told that to Kuranai, Kuranai would think she was fucking nuts. When he was telling her... she sits on that as well. <laughs> I was like, my dude is just gonna, like, straight up tell her. <laughs> right here with the alarm going off and everything he's just gonna be like well Natsume you're in the matrix and shit <laughs> and I'm like no you can't just spring it on her <laughs> and I'm glad that they did the whole like I-, I really liked how they portrayed her reaction to it I thought that was like how one would probably react to such a such a truth think, in, yeah, in that context and she was in the right context to believe it if you just t- walked up to someone and told them that and their life was going on like normal, they would just shrug it off. But like Natsume had already seen a lot of crazy shit and she was like looking for an explanation. Um, but can OK, I, I think I interrupted you, though. So please continue your answer. Um, so I think that's part of it, like that she's now party. Mm-hmm. And 
On top of that, it's also completely undone everything she's worked for, both even before she became a gear, uh, sorry, tanker, and after she became a tanker. Uh, because, let's make no mistake here, I'm going to address this later, Kabaragi has massively fucked up, not in what he's done in these most recent episodes, but with his very original intent in training Natsume to begin with. Hmm. I'm going to discuss that hmm. later. I think I think that's an error on his part. Hmm. Um, not that I'm saying it was bad to give her more skills, of course, but his intentions uh, were not they were not right. Hmm. Uh, so, no, like, she's essentially been double conned, if you want to call it that, where she was conned into like living this life where she was told, "Hey, you can only be this particular person," and then she got elevated out of that in the very you know classic hero's journey kind of way. Only to be told, "Oh no, this is a lie as well." It's no wonder she feels so bitter. Like, what can she believe anymore? Right. You know, at least she had something to hang on to. It's a complicated mess of things that's going through her head. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to say, the scene in which she discusses it with Kabaragi in the Jeep uh, when they take a rest stop is incredible. Pow. It's, <laughs> it's so, so good. Yeah. Um, I'll mention it now since we're on point, but like, they do things for, like, first off, they're inside a ruined city here, which is a perfect, like, representation mm. of Natsume's worldview. Yeah. Crumbled all around her. Like, she's not in the comfort of decadence. She's not inside the factory anymore. Everything she knows has just been ripped, like, torn asunder, and it's just in ruins. So that's great. And then, secondly, they've got paneling. When you look dead on at the Jeep, uh, there is the dividing, like, frame of the wind, of the windshield. Uh, so it separates both her and Kabaragi, so to show there's a division between mm-hmm. the two of them. Uh, Kabaragi's window is completely clear and because his perspective is now no longer clouded but hers is fractured because she doesn't know what to believe anymore and she's dealing with the stress of all of this this is all happening one by one within seconds of each other and it textures this scene magnificently I live for this shit and it really really helps show like the, the place that the both of them are in in their lives right now and what they're currently going through it's incredible stuff um, amazing so yeah, I was legitimately impressed by that. Uh, so yeah, to, to answer the question, like, there's so many different reasons Natsume doesn't want to believe it. Um, I think that you could pick any of them, and the one and they alone would be good enough reason for saying no. But I, I, I reject your reality and substitute my own. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to bring that the whole joke, yeah. Uh, but all of them are good. Um, so. Next oh, up, wait, I, uh, Doc, I, I have an answer. Yeah, yeah. Well, before I, I answer Kate's question, um, I just want to return briefly to something we talked about just a second ago when we were answering the previous question from Kate. Um, I think, gosh, as soon as the last sentence I said left left my mouth, right, um, that, mm-hmm. you know, there's a high cost to doing something that is still the right thing to do for the greater good like that's still something like i personally struggle with that i really grapple with that kind of idea and i mean i know it's not like thankfully i don't have to make a lot of choices in my day-to-day life uh that uh, like affect sort of the greater good versus like the good of uh a single person um Mm -hmm. but you know the classic moral philosophy problem dilemma kind of thing like i really I have a really, I have a hard time with notions like the greater good, uh, just because, like collateral damage, kind of. Who decides what the greater good is? Yeah, well, that too, right? I mean, that's the whole other like can of worms. But like, just even if we can agree on that, like the collateral damage from it that's always going to happen is always really difficult to stomach. But I just wanted to put that out there as a like a sort of my own personal thought on on this. 
um, and and have it said. Um, I'm sure I've talked about it before, but just in case uh, someone's listening and hasn't heard. But um, so can you repeat this question that we're answering now about uh, Natsume? Uh, <clears throat> why do you think Why do you think Natsume regretted knowing the truth about decadence? Ah, okay. <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, I often, I mean, you said it really well. Uh, I I often talk. Uh, I think I even talked last week. <laughs> I know I talked last week about uh, oftentimes in uh, anime, video games, like Japanese uh, fiction aimed at the sort of audience that this show is going for. You have this dichotomy between truth and happiness that is often presented. And it for some reason, truth is always like opposed to happiness. Like it's always like, well, you could sort of continue being content and, you know, suck at the teat of happiness right with a blindfold over well, your um, eyes uh. to, to, to clarify that though i think i think that when people say that they're supposed i think that that's in reference to in the immediate right yeah i actually have a lot to say about this as well um which i hope the sh- i hope mm. the show picks up that line of thought that you're touching on um because i do yeah i totally totally do and i think it relates a lot to kind of what we find out the truths we find out in the prison like what the ghetto shit is and things like that. Um, that all kind of relates to the point I want to make about all this later. But but yeah, I mean, her her whole frame of reference for like what is good, what makes her happy, her goals, what she's trying to achieve. I mean, it's just totally been blown up, right? Like, um, I don't know, like this is not really, I mean, we can't really relate to like you're in the matrix. You know, no one's ever going to tell us that because the material world is real. I'm just telling you that. Um, but like, let's say, you know, I don't know. Someone's like, hey, you're adopted, right? Like if you were really tight with your family, that could like, you know, really blow up your worldview and you might start to question all kinds of things. Or if you were like a very devout person and then suddenly you've realized one day you don't really believe in God anymore. And um, mm-hmm. then like you would start to question probably a lot of other things about your life. And so she's very much in this mode of or like, if you grew up in a cult, for example, yeah. um, I read a, I read a BBC news article a while back. It was a long read about this kid who I think it was in, I am 99% certain it was in Australia, but I could be wrong. But the point being uh, from date of birth, day he was born. So he was 15. He lived inside this cult. <sighs> and only when it got to the point where he was 15, did the authorities finally intervene take him away he had never left the little farm they lived on like it was completely enclosed area he'd only ever had contact with the family members be they literal family or otherwise he had never met a regular person if you want to call it that mm. and it was him like you know recounting that experience like many years later wow. now happily like he's happily married now like he's, a, he's got a good job he's mm-hmm. fine he's he's done okay but it was his expression of like how suddenly i realized there was a world out there mm beyond the world that I'm in. Yeah. And this yeah. can be devastating. Mm-hmm. Totally. It really, and you know, I, I think you made a great point about her feeling like, like a co-conspirator now. Um, but just from like a personal point of view for her, she is probably just like questioning so many things. And that is, um, it can be when you're on the other side of something like that, you can look at it and be like, boy, this was a valuable experience. Like I, I grew a lot and I learned about myself when you're in that shit that like existential crisis is really really difficult man it's mm-hmm. it's those are hard yards to trudge through and so 
this is where I think she is, and and she's mad about it. I mean, like, why the why did you fucking tell me? Why did you ruin it? Like, I, you know, my my life was uh, there was an order to it. Uh, I was I was doing things that were good. I was I was helping people as I saw I, it. I was fighting I was fighting tangible things and not something that's like more abstract. Yeah, and that's why I think she just feels stupid. You know, she talks about like, you know, I re- I wanted to change myself. Like that was my whole goal. But now everything, I mean, I just feel dumb. Every It just feels silly because I didn't realize that I was doing all those things in a constructed reality, you know, almost like a puppet, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, just, just part of some game. And yeah, I mean, that's definitely, I could see how that could make you feel uh, very, very small uh, and insignificant. And so, yeah, I think, yeah, she's got a lot of reason to be angry and got a lot of legitimate anger to work through. And that is why he was like, "Why didn't you leave me in the dark?" Um, That's gonna have to wait until after the after the end of the show, though. The way things go in the moment. <laughs> These cliffhangers are brutal, dude. They they are. Uh, speaking of which, uh, that's our next question. Actually, mm. um, on the episode ten cliffhanger, do you think Hugin, uh, otherwise known as Dio Cube, uh, will kill Natsume before the uncontrolled Gadol reaches decadence? No. Uh, I don't know how yet, but I can't <laughs> fathom. I just can't fathom that's may just simply being killed off like that. I agree. Yeah, there's no way. Nope. She she ain't going anywhere. No. How she escapes him, or if she does even escape and isn't like taken in for his amusement or whatever, I don't know. But nah, I mean, from a writing sense, like it would feel cheap, uh, and it would actually cheapen her as a character because there's something else I need to address in a bit about how I feel about Natsume at this particular point. Uh, which I think I might as well go into now rather than dancing around the issue. But um, So when we did our first set of episodes about decadence, I put on my uh, pretentious anime wanker beret and started talking about like when you live in a society, can you write something? Cre- and you, we discussed mm-hmm. that. But I have kind of a meta thing to talk about here as well, which is that a lot of these episodes like show that what Natsume is doing is ultimately futile. Mm. So the question I have to ask you therefore is, is she an active protagonist in the story? Or is it really the story of Kabaragi? That's an interesting question. Is is does Natsume only exist as a character from the story's perspective to serve his story? I, I think we won't probably won't know until the end, right? Until um, yeah. Well, I, well, this leads into so I, that'll be something I'm going to reference a bit when okay. I get to an answer for another question that Kate has. Okay. But the the point I'm making here is that I understand that like decadence is gunning for this idea that you know the humans had this under, this worldview of we fight the Gadol and eventually we'll kill them and we'll go back to normal. And it was all a lie. Um, but the thing is, Natsume has never, until now, known the truth. So mm. she's had no means of actually affecting the outcome of the story. And it therefore feels to me like her presence in the show is more there to benefit Kabaragi as a character because that's the, per- like, that's the thing that enters his life, that's the person in his life to, that changes him. Uh, he says as mm-hmm. much. Um, but she herself is like, while she's gone through like personal trial and such, I don't feel like it's framed strictly about her, um, you know, overcoming challenges because the challenges she faces are still in the confines of that lie that she's been told. And therefore, like she can fight now, certainly. And maybe that will be the thing she does. Maybe she fights Hugin herself and beats him, you know, fight like, mm-hmm. but at part of me wonders like, you know, if that's the a problem with the show that it can ultimately escape the structure it's set for how Natsume works in the show 
and therefore actually give her her own agency rather than her just existing for Kaburagi's sake as a character. Now, I should say, though, characters existing for the sake of other characters when you're writing a story is not necessarily a bad thing. Not every character has equal weight or equal um, agency in a story or even equal contribution. I mean, we've talked, for example, about Hero's Journey. How many times do you see mentor characters die, for example, mm-hmm. in the first act to spur the protagonist to action? That's, I'm, I'm saying that as a neutral value <laughs> thing. That's right. not necessarily bad. It depends on how you use it. But that could be the case here with Natsume. And oh, oh. I'll get to that in a okay. little bit. So I will, what I will say is I think that that might be, I mean, that might be a little strong, be, like, just because I think that her like a character who learns that they've been living a lie shadon and then gets the truth and has to overcome that a mental and emotional challenge to me that's like a, that keeps her at the center of the show like keeps her as the centerpiece of the show because that's all of us too mm-hmm. i mean we're just humans yes. right like we we would have been, we're meant to kind of be and and sympathize with the, the character who is has been hoodwinked like Kaburagi for as involved as he is in the story and as important as he is like not only is like Natsume the catalyst for everything he does but like like I don't know um he he just doesn't feel as central because he doesn't have that same struggle like he doesn't have the same like his arc of inner growth seems to be over whereas natsume still has a lot of emotional challenges to overcome with accepting the fallout of everything and i think kaburagi is gonna be the person uh who is sort of doing uh, a lot of things um he knows what to do but Natsume has been, and I think will continue to be, going forward, uh, the why, uh, like, and show people why well, it's important the, that we be free, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I suppose the thing I would say in response to that is, um, we obviously brought up the Matrix before, which is your, like, you know, text of yeah. person realizing the world is not real. But how odd would it be if the Matrix, A, was actually about Morpheus, yeah. and B... And B, also that the revelation took place in the third act. Uh, it it would be that's a different the, story, right? The, it would be it would be that, yeah. that's that's why I feel a bit shaky about like this whole thing of Natsume truly being an independent character who has her own agency and, and is in the plot for her own sake rather than for Kaburagi's. If this had happened much sooner and she had full knowledge, I'd feel a bit more bearable. Well, do you think? Do but you think you need two episodes left? Do you think you need knowledge to? uh have agency i mean yes to, to because she otherwise wouldn't because if she hadn't been told about what was going on by kaburagi well let's never be able to okay do well let's let's abstract it from the story right and be like as as a character or as a human do you think you need like what degree of knowledge like when do you cross the threshold of having enough knowledge to be considered a free agent uh, to the point in which you can effect an actual change with your actions that's permanent and substantial. Well, but she was doing that with other people. Uh, like, I mean, I think she had an effect on Kuranai. She had an effect on Kaburagi. Yeah, yes, I mean, like, but... 
But but do we discuss this about the cyclic nature of things and how she essentially was becoming the new current eye over a long enough time scale without knowing the truth of it? She'd have fought the Gadol, died because of them, or died because of old age, and things would have continued, and nothing would have fundamentally changed. She she's the reason that the hole in the wall is getting patched up. She yeah, that's all her. But but the actual guy running decadence says it doesn't matter that they're patching it up. Well, okay, he makes that clear. But that well, just because there's a a reaction to what you do doesn't mean that what you did wasn't a free action. Like you getting up off the floor after I punched you, it doesn't mean what you did wasn't free if I punch you down again. Like she like she affected like a huge change and did something that was like no one anticipated like that was all her and she's changing hearts and minds you know i still think the story has a different i think the story is trying to make the opposite point that because yeah you you're right she does go to go through hell to try and make this happen but it's inconsequential in the longer term. Um, but I'm going to come back to that later because that's going to involve me talking about the idea of narrative. Uh, so I and um, I I don't agree with it. See, this is the whole argument of like Subaru didn't do anything because he kept repeating. But like you can look at him as a person and see that what he did in the time loops, even though he got looped back to the start, mattered because it affected him so deeply and it was real and. Natsume has been affecting herself more than anyone. She's changed her own self, even though it has been uh, under like false pretenses. Um, you know, it's like she did this whole solution to her kind of the first step forward she makes um, is telling Kaburagi, you know, I may not have known the whole truth about the world, but the time we spent together was not a lie. That was real, mm-hmm. and oh no, I, I'm not. I'm not doubting her internal growth. Um, I'm strictly speaking about the wider world. I mean, it's all well and good for her to go through a personal story like that, where she does change, and she has, and that's great. That's all good. Uh, that's good in the show. But make no mistake, like the show, I think is pretty clear in a number of ways how making changes, like fixing the wall up, or indeed Kaburagi's own involvement with Natsume, as intended at the start is not enough. And I'll, I'm going to have to save that point for legs. I need to go into that in more detail. Well, it's a first step, um, right? I think Kaburagi is pretty, like, clear that, like, this is not... You know, I was a little bit... I was a little bit fuzzy on that. I was like, oh, man, like, you know, episode 10, like, is this... Like, this seems pretty despondent, you know? I mean, what did they What did they do all this for? And they, they feel pretty down, but, like... You know, Kaburagi's very much like this is step one of the plan that we that I need to carry out. And it's good that there was that time of despondency. I mean, it makes everything feel more real and grounded because systems well, the despondency, I'm systems take like a lot of time. Like, I mean, if it were so easy that one calculated strike could bring it down. I mean, it's I don't know. It's like a real mm, kind of I, thick I, thing, you know? that's another thing I have to say for a separate talking point because we because they're all kind of interlinked but um, anyway we'll, I'll get to those later but in general like to answer uh, that point um, no I don't think uh, <clears throat> I don't think uh, Hugin will kill that Smith um, no. next question uh, is there any hope that the system can be defeated and what do you think of the aftermath of that would look like <clears throat> well I have a crazy theory 
Uh, and I actually would be curious if the show addressed this. Where? So, question for you, Doc. Let's map this out, you and I together. Okay. I have a pin. Um, over this. Um, what? Where do you get Oxion from? Oh, I can't remember. From the Gaddle, right? The poop. Yeah, you get it from the Gaddle. <laughs> you get it from the Gaddle. Mm-hmm. Okay. And can the cyborg survive without Oxio? Uh, it would seem to be not the case, right? It would seem that they're like they can survive, okay. but eventually they will die if they don't have more. Was it so? Weren't we seeing like early on, like Kabaragi's readout? It would be like you know you haven't had your thing. He was trying to commit. He was yeah. He was trying to commit suicide yeah. basically through it's like seventy five years or something like that. So uh, apparently they can last a. It seems like they can last a while on a Philip, but like if they have quality stuff. But um, but yeah, they're they are finite beings. Yes. Yeah. So put the put those facts mm-hmm. in your mind together with the fact that all the Gadol are dead, save for the one, and I'm going to get to that later. But consider it from Kabaragi's perspective that he was going to he wanted to destroy all of the Gadol, period, forever. Would that not also mean the end of his race? Probably, yes. It would. It would seem. Holy shit! <laughs> it sure would seem that's, that way. That's that's a fucking mm-hmm. thing. That's a huge thing. Um, I don't know ultimately what will happen at the end of the show right now. Uh, I have a feeling we're going to get maybe a you know X amount of years later kind of thing. Um, but by all accounts, like uh, if they do end up killing off this final Gadol, and then that's the end of it. Excuse me. Um, Excuse me, Gadolzilla. Need to address it oh, properly. Yes. So, sin, sin, Gadol. Like, oh, I made the sin reference before. Right. It's any, it's any kaiju you want it to be, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it would seem that Kabaragi, like, at least he, if he wasn't aware of those like consequences, um, then yeah, he's ended. He's going to result in the end of his race, and that's going to be it. So that's going to mean the uh, <laughs> that's going to mean the end of the cyborg race. It'll result in him dying eventually. Uh, whether or not that happens before, like, that's maybe because of old age, as you said, like, how long he'd be going for. Uh, I'm inclined to believe it's not as long-term as, as you might have said, because I think that would be, if that's what they're going for, that would diminish the impact, impacts of it. Um, I believe that's what the readout was, said in an early episode. I, I, I think I think it was more that he was, that was just how long he'd been in operation for, mm. not that he had, like, been that long without Oxione. Yeah, yeah, I, I could be... I could have uh, misread that, but someone in the chat may know. Um, uh, yeah. um, but oh, sorry, were you? Did you have more to say? Okay, yes. uh, hit me with your crazy. But that being said, yeah. like, so that's my crazy theory, Blake. But maybe there could be some way, uh, as Google Side Robot suggests, maybe they could synthesize it. Mm-hmm. That it hasn't been brought up yet, I find a bit odd because I think that. I'm not saying that they have to go with this, but I just think that it seems like such a natural progression for everything that's been discussed, and in itself is something worth exploring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that I would like them to do that, but we're only two episodes left, so I think that might unfortunately have to get missed. But I will say, the fact that I was thinking of this like made me really excited just because it had me engaged with this show on that kind of level. Mm-hmm. And it's not often I feel that for a lot of anime where I'm like, holy shit, these are the consequences. I start theorycrafting. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that a lot. It's cool. Um can the system be defeated? Um, yeah, I'm going to say so. Um, what I would be most curious about is that very aftermath, and that's why I'm going to make a suggestion that ties in with Kate's next question, which is what's the ideal ending? I would very dearly love a season two of Decadence, which is just about the reconstruction. Mm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Sign me up for that. That 
that I mean, obviously it wouldn't have much action except be no Gaddle left, but you could do some Oh yeah. You could figure out something. There'd be a maybe, civil maybe war of some cyborgs. kind, right? Yeah. yeah, cyborgs, cyborgs fighting humans, that kind of thing. But you can then deal with the characters having to live in this new world and adapt to their new roles. I mean, if you're Kuranai, for example, and you've spent your entire life fighting, and you're suddenly saying, okay, Kuranai, this is a shovel, and these are potatoes. Get digging. <laughs> that kind of thing. Because we need to start farming. Like, how do you cope with that change? Like, you know, um, it's like, that's something that's worth exploring. So, I mean, like, I don't know. I think that they are going to win. Um, I think that Decadence itself uh, will get one final punch off against the new Gadol. Uh, although I maybe it will actually end up failing. That would be something. It would be. Uh, and that would actually be quite symbolic that the thing that they created has grown so out of control it can no longer be stopped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. is, again, I'm dancing around the issue of why I don't like the new Gadol thing that's happening here. But I think that's something you can argue in favor of if you want to use it as a symbolic gesture of this is a thing that we created that's grown out of control. Right. Um, um, I'll get to that later. So I uh, think, yeah, I think the system will be defeated. It would be a deeply cynical anime if it ended and oh, the oh, system the, the rem- remained. Ending. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, if you just linked the fire and, you know, continued uh, Gwen's uh, Age of Fire anew, you know, uh, that would be bad. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it will come down, uh, be brought down. I, if I had to say something wild, um, <clears throat> I guess like maybe the new Gadol, maybe it'll be something like this. Like they will sort of defeat the new Gadol without exploding it in such a way that like they can harvest uh, a shit ton of uh, Oxyone from it. And while they do that, it'll very much be like, well, this is enough to tide us over. But in the meantime, we'll be thinking about a way to make more or we'll be exploring space for a different uh, supply of it or something like that. Decadence in space. It's two fists now. Let's go. Whatever. Yeah, I'd be okay. I'd be okay with that. Whatever the Yamato is, you know, they have to take it over up there above the decadence Mm. and, you know, use that as some kind of exploratory. Go on an expedition looking for... Oxione. If oh shit, I'd completely forgotten about that. But you're right. That's something else I'll need to deal with. Yeah, because well. all the all the uh, that, that, bo- that in of itself could be a uh, all two. the bougie cyborgs are still up there, and they're just like, oh man, there's a a glitch in the game. This is no fun. Oh man, I'll play Fall Guys. Did you did you cause did anybody tweet uh, decadence? Uh, you know, get in the Discord, get the devs on the mm-hmm. line. Um, Severe trouble ticket. <laughs> but I, I loved, like, I thought episode nine was going to be something they did at the end. Uh, but I love, like, the fact that episode 10 exists as a, it turns out not to be, I thought it was going to be three full episodes of epilogue, but it turns out, again, the system is quite uh, more complicated and deeply embedded and resilient and all that sort of shit than, well, you know, the uh, one thing. I have, a fi- I have a thing to say about that, so we'll get to that soon enough. Um but yeah, uh, I am like I really want there to be a second season that explores the consequences or even the cleanup from mm-hmm. it. I mean, that shit, for example, like if you wanted to make a season that was strictly about, uh, like we need to build a ship to go up to this other ship so we can invade it, and all the effort that goes into that, 
that's going to be great. I mean, hell, they, they fought in anti-gravity, so them going into space would actually make a lot of sense, mm -hmm. scarily enough. Like, there's, there's so many different ways you can take this. I'm deeply intrigued by it. It's, like, we're not starting it, like, it, the, the, the apocalypse has happened in decadence, but we're not dealing with, like, the reconstruction immediately. We're seeing, like, the fall of one, like, way of living in favor of another. Mm -hmm. And that would be great. I, I would be all over. Basically, I'm excited. Whatever happens, uh, I hope... I want Hugin uh, to get flicked by the decadence. Yes. Hand. Ping. Yes. I, hope. I, would, I would be entirely okay. That not. must happen. Hugin must meet a horrible end, I feel like. Ding. Yes. Yes. But regime change is hard, man. It, it, it sounds oh, like uh, I'm reading a lot about uh, the French Revolution for fun. And... Uh, yeah, there's. Oh, no, you're not trying to be point nine practicing. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you've got more reason than ever right now. But that's getting a bit too real right. for this discussion. But if if only like one swift strike could change things, and we all live happily ever after. But it's yeah, it's. I, I know the story will wrap up more cleanly than you know the European 18th and 19th century history. But uh, but yeah, I'm glad at least that there is. A little bit of acknowledgement here that's like, you know, it's not like just plant a bomb, boom, and then you change the world. That's very good. But yeah, are there more questions? Mm -hmm. uh, no, I okay. believe that is it from our patrons. For Thank this you, week. Kate. Uh, do you have anything else you want about Kate's point? No, th just thanks for sending in the questions as always, Kate. We really appreciate yeah. it. Absolutely. Thank you. Right then. So let's get to talking points. Um, I'm going to start with a small one here. Um decadence i want to ask you like do you think it's pro or anti-video game uh i think it's just using it as a metaphor uh, i think to drape the stuff over. yeah i don't think it's meant to like be kind of saying things about mmos or whatever i think it's just like what what does our audience understand like what is you know, what are people really into that watch anime and how can we use well, that here, to like make these concepts we want to talk about easier to digest? Well, here's a great thing though, right? I think this is an episode uh, six. Uh, I'm going to have to lay my cards on the table here. I haven't yet had the chance to rewatch all these episodes, folks, but I've got, got mostly crystallized in my head because I was just like that in trying mm -hmm. But um, I think it was episode six, which opens when Kabaragi like finally gets his new, sorry, seven, I mean to say, when Kabaragi gets his new avatar that he's using temporarily, and he has to go through the introductory uh, experience <laughs> right. of going decadence, which I thought this was amazing satire, because what happens is you have this incredibly long, like, welcome to decadence. It is the world of violence <laughs> in the post-apocalypse. Yeah. And you... The special are the only one who can bring order to a desolate wasteland. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. Like, big, big booming introduction and immediately hard cut to terms and conditions. Yes, right. Yeah. Which is just incredible because it's so true. Like, it is true of the, like, when I played World of Warcraft, like, you know, I would, like, I installed, like, an expansion, Wrath of the Lich King, got the amazing opening cinematic started up and it was like okay please agree to these terms and conditions and i'm like oh god it dispels the myth and i think that's really i think it was really funny of them to do mm -hmm. that but it also funny of ties into kabaragi like realizing what he's been doing has been a lie so that mm. works as well um but i think that generally speaking i do agree with you that apart from that moment of satire which i think works and isn't too mean it isn't too like you know hateful towards um no. 
the the cyborgs they, like we said they're as much a victim which stands in stark contrast to you know our favorite show franks where yeah. it basically in the end said that all the kids were you know lazy like pampered shits who need to go out and start like you know tilling soil and shit like mm-hmm. that and no it's not it doesn't do that for like it's much more sympathetic towards the people inside the system uh, but no, I am of the opinion that it is, as you say, a framework from which to hang this story and the concepts and the things it chooses to explore. Yeah, and also it's just really um, on point with how it <laughs> how it uses the the drape um, in, in so many different ways. Like I feel like again the whole silly name thing and the bombast and the 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 gaminess of something that is like you said essentially a large kind of wood chipper for human lives i mean it's the way that like it, it, it capitalism i mean is it really any different like when you boil it down to the essentials um right like it's so exploitative and the people at the top top of uh, percentage of the kind of wealth inequality the super super best off um the things that they do that do cause suffering to people like probably seem as abstract from reality as you agreeing to terms and conditions in a game and you know it probably Mm -hmm. seems like gamey or i mean just regular people like you know continuing to shop on amazon or something like that when that like hurts people you know what i mean it's i'm 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 you know what i'm going to announce eminent domain over this person's property mm. and all i'm doing is filling in a form yeah y- exactly yes yes um if you don't know what eminent domain is by the way folks that is the forced seizure of land by the government yeah like so, yeah that kind that kind of so thing. much but you would obviously just like if you, if you were on the like side of which you were doing that it would just be an exercise in paperwork for you totally um and and yeah, I mean, it's why I love this motif. Um, there's just a lot that you can, I feel like, take from it. Um, but I am in agreement that oh, it's speaking not. Of, um, oh, go ahead. Speaking of video games, uh, I think I read an interview or a discussion of this show somewhere where the creators basically admitted that they were inspired by Wreck-It Ralph. Yes, right. I heard that too. Interesting. Yeah. But what also struck me is there's the episode in which Kabaragi uh, and the prisoners have to try and recover his original body. Mm-hmm. Um and it's stored inside this like container uh, that's in this massive like sorting facility, and that was giving me massive Half Life Two vibes because there's a level that uh, at the very end of the game, uh, the Citadel, that works a lot similarly, where you've got people being shipped around in like these containers mm-hmm. on rails. It's crazy. I, I, I yeah. I just thought yeah. like that seems. I mean, and then you'd have like you know all the other influences like, but yeah, Wreck It Ralph was not a thing I expected, but it it works. Believe me. Mm. Um, it absolutely does work. All right, I'm done on that. Okay, point, so pass the books. Well, I I alluded to this earlier, so why not get to jump straight in uh, head first? Um, the the truth versus happiness uh, dichotomy oh, my. presented to Natsume uh, that she fully kind of starts to explore in episodes nine and ten. Um, and I, I was asking myself why I was watching this. Um, why why it's always presented or it seems like it's always presented in this kind of fiction uh as like like the truth 
like the ultimate truth that's been hidden from the characters is always diametrically opposed to happiness. Why is it not like, oh, you've learned the truth and like it will make you happier, right? And I was thinking about this and Mm. I think like, again, I think this fits really, really well with what they're trying to do um, is that like happiness as these people have defined it is um is just is so contingent on the definitions that they've been given by the system that's been oppressing them i mean it's like when the cyborgs find out that they've been eating shit the entire time or like when um mm-hmm. you know the the characters in uh, snowpiercer find out that the rations they've been they've been given that they desperately fight over and everything like that are just mashed up cockroaches um like that's a really kind of uh, really simple way to put something complicated i think which is like again the terms of your happiness um what you define as good the the mechanism by which you kind of figure out and set your goals like i think that whole thing is what's being upturned by like okay this is the truth. You're going to learn it. And it is going to totally flip all that stuff on its head. You have to get rid of that, yeah. that you know. Happiness as you understand it is going to change. But the brilliant thing is that it's not just going to be hard. You're not just going to be unhappy. Now that you can live authentically, you get to redefine happiness for yourself. It is not going to be shit yeah, that's absolutely. fed to you. Um, it is going to be, again how you choose to live. And this is very much Natsume's natural instinct anyway. And so that's why I think she's going to fight through this and she's going to be okay. Oh, hell yeah. Well, the thing is, like, to follow up on what you said there, now that the truth is out there and she knows everything and knows what happened to her father, you could argue that whatever she's going to do next, it's going to be the first time she's truly done it for herself, completely free of, like, you know, the lies and such that have been sold o- mm. over her. Like... If she like if she kills Hugin next, for example, that's going to be like the first fight that she'll have ever take undertaken as a time as a tanker that she did entirely for her own reasons without any like you know anything clouding her. Yeah, I mean she'll have like she'll be on the same playing field as uh, in terms of her epistemic like sort of uh, field of view, right? Like her her knowledge will be the mm. same kind of. Uh, be on equal footing of of um, Kaburagi. I can think of his name. So uh, if that if that is your like criteria of like acting as a free agent, yeah, she's she's gonna get to I think now. And you know, all this just reminds me of a really great David Foster Wallace quote that I love from Infinite Jest, which is like, "The truth will set you free, but not until it is finished with you." Um, yeah, that, that's why I said before, like, it's, it's in the immediate. I think that's when you said, like, mm-hmm. people see these as irreconcilable. That's not true, but it's not something you, you'll definitely be incredibly unhappy in the moment. Like, I mean, again, like, say, you know, you find out that your partner's having an affair. Yeah. Like, you know, that's not going to make you happy right there and then, is it? You know? No. It's no. Gonna, <laughs> you're you're going to be devastated. You're going to think that you'll never find someone again, all that kind of stuff. But time will sort that, time will make it better. But you would never, of course, been granted the opportunity if otherwise you hadn't learned the truth. So, yeah. 
Uh, but I, I do agree with you. I think that Natsume's dilemma now is, I mean, this show has shown how hard it's been for Kaburagi to tell her the truth to begin mm-hmm. with. But how exponentially more difficult is it to tell an entire society of that? I could totally, for example, regrettably believe that if all the humans found out simultaneously that the same thing that Natsume did, some of them wouldn't believe it. They would think it was a lie. They think it wasn't the truth because, well, look at what happens in real life. I know, which so. is like why it's so, why I'm so intrigued about Kaburagi not wanting to tell them. Like, this is, this is my question. I have, I had a question for you about this. So, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, his whole, his whole thing, like, no, you can't tell anybody because if you know, then you'll be a bug. And at first, again, I was like, what? Like, you guys blew the thing up already. You don't have to worry about that shit anymore. But, like, just because the Gadol factory is gone now, I mean, it's not the final victory. Uh, There's still a lot that Mm -hmm. needs to be done and a lot that could happen in the future that could jeopardize them. So, Well, there's there's a specific line, I think, from either Jill or Kabaragi that says that they can rebuild the factory. uh Yeah, I think, yeah. Now, Now that, now that, now, yeah, now that, Brings me, funnily enough, actually back to Final Fantasy X when I mentioned Sin before as a joke. Like, where, hey, you know what? Like, we only get to get rid of Sin for a couple of years and it comes back, but is it not great that we get rid of it? I mean, the story actually has a lot more similarities now, I kind of think of it that way. Yeah, Yuki brings up AOT Um, as... um, I'm actually not familiar with how that big reveal goes because I don't... You know, it's a manga that, I mean, I know that you have a strong distaste for the show i feel like i ought i don't i ought to read it at some point no 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 no. i need to clarify i don't have a strong distaste for the show i have a completely strong indifference to the Uh, show because to me okay like it's like i said it's like i said in the past like it's like having a firework display on a day that doesn't have any meaning to it It looks nice don't care it's not like you're celebrating someone's birthday um totally right and and my my go-to example this is is the one that sticks in my head is always Persona Three. Oh man! You know, and they are like yeah. that, 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 the, the the closing the closing like weeks or yeah. days like you, you know. really do get to choose like you can like because Ryuji Death has revealed to you like oh hey Nyx is coming he's going to destroy the world every it's it's really going to go uh, now that I've told you you can fight me and like deal with this like really depressing truth or you can just forget and spend your last days in peace loving your family that's really like truth or happiness the t- they might as well like put the text up yeah. on the screen choose press t or h the to ul- choose the ultimate trolley problem <laughs> no um yeah and then of course the same kind of deal happens where like they feel like they can only like find happiness for themselves by uh kind of grappling with the truth and being authentic uh in a world that is like you know the 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 actual real world as as they understand it at that point um and grizzly brings up an I'll interesting oh I'm, go ahead go ahead oh so no um no you carry you mentioned you, you carry yeah he says decadence is only a theme park um yeah i right. man we don't really have a good sense of like the scope of hugan in the system um are there more things like this or is this sort of colony here a whole society is this the society and they've just kind of gamified it completely to it so that the the ruling hugan class of cyborg kind of you know does his thing and and every you know 
I don't know. Like, what's what's your take on this? Well, I think the fact that it's only a theme park, as, as Grizzly says, like only, again, serves to underscore how awful it all mm-hmm. is. It's not like decadence exists because there is a legitimate need for it to say stop, I don't know, a climate catastrophe or something like that. Or, I don't know, to keep up a planetary shield to stop the aliens from coming or some some bollocks. like. No, it literally is just a theme park. It's just there to entertain people. And that's why like, to say that, you know, you've got people being fed into the wood chipper. Mm-hmm. The thing I was going to bring up, though, and I hope this doesn't become true. I could kind of see a cop-out ending to this show where that big gadol, when it is slain, splits into many smaller ones and the cycle begins again. But uh, the actual system of decadence is gone. So the humans continue to fight the gadol, but the main system is gone. I wouldn't be happy with that, to be quite honest, because they would still be living the lie. I mean, mm. unless it wants to make an incredibly compelling argument for that to continue in its own twisted form. Right. But I wouldn't, I don't know, like, I feel like I want to see the whole thing collapse. Yeah. And I, I generally, I generally don't feel quite okay with the fact that this Gadol has appeared at all. Yeah, I never, I, um, I don't like it when that kind of thing happens either. I just want to, like... Well, I mean, I mean, if you, if you want to boil down some pure nitpicks here, like, it makes no sense. Like... <laughs> All the Gadol are dead. So you mean to tell me injected this guy with Gadol cells and then suddenly we went full Prometheus or Alien on us? Like, it clearly should have got rid of that small bit of cells the guy injected as well. But, okay, look, whatever. I'm not going to argue the pedantic nitpick. You're right, though. That's true. I feel like that's true. (laughs) But anyway. When I've got bigger thematic problems with it, which is that, like I said, you can make the argument that... The reason that that Gadol exists in a story perspective is because it goes to show that ultimately um, decadence, the system, could not contain that which it mm. created. A you Jurassic Park argument? <laughs> Life will find a way. The, the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, or, or the Sephiroth mm. argument from Final Fantasy mm-hmm, VII. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because ultimately in that game, uh, Shimra are the root cause of Sephiroth going the way mm-hmm. he did uh, and eventually became so much control and nearly blew the fucking world up so you can make that argument i get it but the thing is like everything that's happened in decadence like so far and what they've been fighting against has been deliberately engineered by a specific force like be it the like the the company which i think is called solid quake oh yeah uh, yeah or you know or you know uh hugin like there are actual like people with intent uh doing this Mm mm-hmm but this thing with this Gadol randomly, like, infecting this dude and, like, causing it suddenly and also inexplicably grow massive over the course of, like, a day, which seems a bit of a cop, like, a bit strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, to me, does that doesn't gel with that. It's a completely random and uncontrollable event. And I think that kind of undoes the whole fighting against a narrative or a system thing a little bit because it doesn't work with that. You can't fight. Like, you, it's a random event. It's a natural disaster. This is like saying that you can blame, I don't, well, I mean, I know people probably have blamed, like, the Democrats in the US for, like, tornadoes and shit, but I mean, oh, and I've, um, all right, I'm going to undo that metaphor because people have said, like, about climate change. but you get my yeah. point, like, when it's like an uncontrollable, unforeseeable event, you can't, like, proactively fight against it and try to stop it. It's like trying to, you know, you, it, you get yeah, my point, yeah. basically, and that's yeah. why I don't like, and that's why I don't like this. Oh, man. I feel like it exists... Partly because they want to have a big action finale. You don't have to piss them one more time. Well, you do. That's true. I respect the need yeah, um, the need to have that happen. Although I'm I'm putting money on it that this piston punch is going to fail and it's going to result in like the whole thing game wrecked. Oh no! 
Which, again, would fit the symbology of it's out of our control and it's like, you know, surpassed us. Yeah, so I... Boy, I don't really know how to feel about this exactly. Because, I mean, on the one hand, I really agree with you, actually. I mean, I think that this late in the show, when you have gone so deep on this theme, why why shift the focus away from it? Like, why not continue to explore the rich vein that you have and that you clearly have demonstrated that you like have a deft hand in um, kind of showing the different aspects of the the problems um, of of these sort of capitalistic systems and inequalities of uh, and exploitation and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, like why why shift the focus? Um, I guess I mean. I guess maybe so they want to make this point, right? That like it's like you were saying, like it's not just um, that that these kind of systems are flawed, not just because um, they are like morally kind of wrong, but like because uh, there's like some kind of design flaw built in, like you said, that they are not always able to handle what they output. But I sort of hate that. Like I wish, I wish it would just be like you know. Uh, the system is closed and it runs perfectly, but the reason it needs to come down, like has nothing to do with like it's sort of design flaws. It's because it's fucking wrong <laughs> because it is exploitative. Yeah. Like that's what I would want to see. Yeah. So yeah, I think, I think ultimately I mean, I'm but- with you that I don't, I don't really like get why they're doing this in episode 10. I mean, to boil this down, like who like, we learn pretty early on that the Gadol are not the true enemy. They are, you know, they're the monsters of the week kind of thing, you know. So why is the show choosing to end with this big Gadol that's not even, like, under Hugin's control? Of it? Like, if it turned out that that was, like, you know, the secret one that they had, and Hugin was like, fuck it, we're going to tear it, I'm going to kill all of them just out of spite, I would have aggr- I would have been more on board mm, with that. Mm-hmm. But no, this is just literally... It just is there because of reasons. Well, it's because like and I think it really is like you said they want they want a climactic battle to where everyone will. It's like they worked backwards from that where they're like, okay, what we need is to have this big battle, and we need to have Natsume play a key part, whether an individual act or her spurring on a group to do something. Let's work backwards and try to kind of construct a reason for this to happen, but they don't really. It, the connection that they made it it really doesn't work i mean i i yeah the more i think about it um the more i am also unsatisfied with it we'll have to see uh, again we're gonna have to hold on uh till the final episodes maybe they can do something decent with it um but i just i'm a bit confused by its inclusion especially the nature in which it comes about because it's just so random um but we'll see. I mean, that's like the biggest criticism I've had of this show so far, to be quite honest. And even then, it's nowhere near close to a deal breaker. Um, but it is contingent on this, I'm going to say, which will make me think, is this better or not than Izoken as far as 2020 anime goes? A lot's riding on this. <laughs> like, it still needs to stick the landing yeah. and it isn't quite there yet. Do you, so do you think, this is getting off track a little bit, but how far down your anime of the year list could it slide? Do you think it's like a nailed on second place minimum? Or do you think it could? Ooh, no, no, okay. anything can happen. 
I mean, we, you know what? Like, you tweeted out about, like, show that disappointed you and you mentioned Phantom Rick went for the Phantom. I did. Uh, my response to that was Cardo. That's interesting. Well, yeah, the the ending of Cardo, I, it didn't feel more disappointing than the second and third acts of Cardo to me. No, well, no, it, it, it already, it already dro- dropped uh-huh. off a cliff, but then it just, that was the point in which the car exploded. <laughs> Finally hit the you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, but I bring that up because, like, I suppose I should relate my experience of Cardo again for people who don't know about it. Like, when that show was airing, uh, every single Friday when it came on, I had to finish work. I would be ex- legitimately excited for it. I wasn't watching it for the pod or anything like that, which of course doesn't mean I can't get excited for shows of the pod. We're doing decadence after all, but you get my point. Like it was something that I was watching purely for my own pleasure, and every single Friday I'd be like, "I'm having a takeout, I'm having a beer, I'm watching this show," and I was lapping it up. I was in heaven watching the first few episodes of that because it was legitimately great macro level sci-fi. By which I mean, we're talking about wider society changes and not just how it changes a character, which is still a great way to do sci-fi. Don't get me wrong. And then like. It, pretty much after the second half, it just all went completely. Yeah, only humanity. That was a humanity, <laughs> and that's why it felt dis- And that's why it felt disappointing to me. Not necessarily because it dropped so far, but because it had started so high. If you follow my, yeah, name. yeah, I'm. Um... And that's why, and that's why I'm feeling about decadence. Where I'm worried about with decadence rather because it is so astronomically high that if it fucks up these last two episodes. I'm going to be more disappointed than if it had just been kind of there. Oh, totally. I agree. Throughout. I agree. I'm posting the link to Kato in the chat. That's why I was somewhat distracted. Oh, man. <laughs> Not- yeah, go go, go listen go listen to me talk about the weaponized Star Child. Ooh, that was, um, boy. I, if, if the question was, what anime, like, passed the three-episode test with flying colors and then, and then disappointed, like, it will be, because the first four episodes of that show, I was like, Oh my god, this show is an absolute banger. Fin- and then they were whoa, phenomenal. it just died a death. <laughs> and in my in my head canon, uh, Cardo is just an ONA, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yes, agreed. Alright, what's your next talking point, uh, buddy? Oh boy, I still have okay. a few. Uh, I actually realize that we are on the clock here, folks, unfortunately. We have about another 30 minutes or so of talking yeah i have so, uh to uh, be somewhere a little over an hour from now so but i don't have to actually leave my desk to it's a meeting so i don't have to but yeah we have about an hour so all right so the next thing i want to bring up this is a smaller talking point uh decadence itself as a system and as a place is actually believe it or not a metaphor for the human body this is going to sound mad but bear with me you have the brain which is where, uh, what's his name resides? Minato? Yeah. That's where uh-huh, all the things uh-huh. happen. You have the inner, like, structure where the cyborgs live, and then you have the, the stomach or the digestive area where the humans are. Why else is it like an open chamber filled with green liquid? Hmm. And then you have where all the shit comes out. It's kind of crazy when you think about it, but God. literally the entire system is set is set up like, a, you know, a bo- an actual body which is itself could be a reference to things like body politic, like, you know, where things serve different functions. But it also goes to show that, hey, destroying, like, the lower sections of it isn't enough. They have to get rid of the brain. Right, exactly. I'm with you. So just a small just a small point there, but I was like, ooh, that's cool. <laughs> Decadence like that. is actually Osmosis Jones. I agree. It really, <laughs> it really is. Oh, God. 
Thank you, oh, Grizzly. God. I can't, I can't wait for like that to become the next big talking point once everyone stopped watching all the Disney films in lockdown. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel then when you're on. Oh that. my god. Although then again, I think watching Osmosis Jones in current times were probably the most poor taste film you could do. <laughs> I can fight a virus with cold medicine. Oh my god. It was bullshit. Is it re- then it's bullshit. Now. <laughs> I haven't seen the movie, but if that's like, if that's the deal, <laughs> then fuck that. No, it really is. Oh no! And I'm talking the the, the La Merte Ruffle, oh, the Red no. Death. Oh, I I tried to read a book about a pandemic a few months ago. I just couldn't do it. Um, no. Yeah. Well, and I'll I'll in turn make a small talking point. I'll just talk about a scene that I really liked from episode ten. Um, when I believe it's when Natsume is kind of overlooking the the humans who are drinking and kind of having a party. Um. And <laughs> she like uh, sees a guy. The camera focuses on on a man who makes a toast that says like "to freedom and peace," and everyone's like "freedom and peace," um, because they you know that's what they believe they have like achieved. And and then you have Natsume kind of higher up than everyone, looking down on them, thinking yep. in the note and. It's really kind of, uh, I don't know, it, it's a kind of a simple scene, but it really hit me, right? That like, God, like these poor people, like they just don't realize the degree to which their life has been controlled and manipulated. And I feel yeah. so bad because they just believe <clears throat> that they have won this great victory. Um, and yet... You know, it's like that they're only seeing things in two dimensions. I don't even know that that doesn't even work as a metaphor, but like they're just their point of view is so limited, like relative to the the actual world well, and things that are really going on. And Natsume is just so sad. And, um, you know, Kurt and I offers her comforts. Uh, but man, like uh, that that was just such. It just made me think, it, it really did make me stop and think, like, you know, man, I I wonder if other people, like, in, in real people, right, sit down and never think about, like, it, you know, to what degree our own lives are subject to the control of, you know, big data companies and advertising and work and uh, all these different forces that are right in our face and also subliminal and hereditary and genetic. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's why it just really made me like, it, I, I want to tip my hat to the scene because it got me to pause the show and think about things. Yeah. I, I a hundred percent agree. I'll just point out something you said, like where you said, like that they had got a great victory. They let's be fair. They did mm-hmm. but put in context. It's still not good enough. Yeah. And this is a wonderful segue to my final talking point. The big thing that I think Decadence is going for and why I was insisting that Natsume like getting the wall fixed was as good as it was to see her do that ultimately futile. So, let's talk briefly about Final Fantasy VII Remake. Okay, alright, let's do that. So, so just before I begin, uh, spoilers ahead for Seven Remake, some like massive world-shattering spoilers, just pretend like I'm talking about baking or something. I don't know. Um, Doc, you've played Seven Remake. Yes, I have. You? And you played... You oh, played yes, I have beaten yes. it. Yes. 
Okay, right. People in the audience, this is your final warning for Big Fuck Off Final Fantasy VII. Spoilers going live and loud in 3, 2, 1. So let's talk about narratives. So in Final Fantasy VII Remake, there are two themes of narratives. Or rather, there's a theme of narratives being explored. Um, and it is on two levels. One of which is Shinra manipulating Avalanche to basically like you know look like they're the ones causing like they're causing all the chaos hurting people making people hate them uh that for all that they're struggling against shinra they can't ultimately defeat them because shinra is in complete control of the narrative do you agree yeah sure mm-hmm. i think so yeah i mean to the point where they're trying they're trying to like build up a war against wu mm-hmm. uh which please expand on that in the remake. <laughs> I know. thank yeah. you very much the next yeah. part yeah i so there's there's that. But then you have the wider thing where you're literally fighting the embodiment of fate mm-hmm. in as the second to last right. boss. And with that then destroyed, that then obviously opens up the idea that what we're going to see next in the subsequent events of Final Fantasy VII Remake will not necessarily be exactly the same as they were in the original. It opens up questions mm-hmm. like, dare I say, is Aerith yeah, going to live? Yeah, yeah. I- that's a cra- That's crazy. I, know. I almost saw... It's insane when you put I, it I like almost that. saw like the the sort of crystallized like uh boss versions of of your party as like mm. like the fans you know what i mean like who are the the purists Ooh. you're fighting against like you know <laughs> the people that want the story to play out exactly the same way or maybe even the original writers Ooh, it could be either inc- way that's incredible like I, I love that i love that so much so yeah i got to the end of that game and it blew my fucking mind because i was like holy shit we really are like off the edge of the map here. Anything's possible. But I will say as an aside that I don't want them to simply use it for shallow like fan speculation. I want it to be substantive. I want it to have meaning. Like if you did something, for example, where Aerith lives and then like everything that happens afterwards, like she comments, I've never been here before. And I was like, well, of course you haven't. And then she's like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's not quite like that. Yeah. 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 Anyway, what, what the hell does this have to do with decadence? My point is this, right? Kabaragi's original plan was essentially to see really what would happen if he trained Natsume to be a tanker because she was a bug. Let's see how a bug lives in this world. That was his plan. Mm. I think that plan was deeply selfish of him and deeply flawed because it ultimately only perpetuates the existing narrative that decadence the world has, which is you're going to fight the Gadol uh, as a tanker, as a human, and maybe you'll bring about peace. But in reality, we know how it all works out. That's why I said about the idea of it being cyclic, where she would become the next Kuranai. Right. But that wouldn't really change anything, would it? No. Um, and so, ultimately, Kabaragi realizes in the end that if he's going to fix anything, he has to destroy the entire system, the entire narrative. He can't play inside mm-hmm. of it, as he's been doing. He can't fuck around. Like This is why there's that amazing scene between him and Natsume when he's in his alternate avatar, where she says to him, I guess I just have to keep working harder now. Like, he has inadvertently indoctrinated her into this system Mm -hmm. and made her want to fight for it all the more. It's damning Mm. what he's done, Mm -hmm. in a way. Like, I I don't begrudge him, like, teaching her how to fight. It's just that he's not taught her who to fight. Which, I'll be fair to him, he didn't really think, he didn't realize until literally the point in which he was killed. Uh, And then also when he had that conversation with Natsume where he realized his mistake. 
But this is the whole thing I'm getting at here. Um, Decadence as a show argues not for the working of inside of a false narrative, but its complete and total destruction. That's why it portrays um, the wall building, in my opinion, as a futile gesture that's just laughed off by Minato as, oh, who gives a shit? You know, the the, the storyline speeds up a little bit. That's what he says as well. The story will speed up a little right. bit. Doesn't you change the it. story. <laughs> It doesn't yeah. change it. Uh, doesn't, it doesn't make anything really that different. And that's also why we see that amazing contrast, which I think is in episode... It might be in episode six, actually. Um, but it's where, you know, you have the cuts between, like, the tankers and the gears. And, mm. you know, the gears, are, so the, the, the gears are all like, dude, bro, fat loot! And the tankers are all like, no, I know, yeah. Dead. This, yeah. Right. Yeah, like, they, they think they've done a great thing by mm-hmm. fighting that fight, but they haven't. And that's why the contrast is there. So that's why I think Decadence is arguing in line with Final Fantasy VII Remake and other similar stories of its ilk, where, or even Steins Gate, if you want to call it that, where you can't make small, inconsequential changes inside a system because the system will simply just, like rubber, bounce back. You have to rip the whole thing yeah. down. I want to argue for the that's tankers the- uh, the, and the sort of the merit of the things that they've done. I mean, I think Kur and I at one point. Uh, in this set of episodes, tells Natsume, you know, value your own experiences. Like, I don't know everything that you've seen. You know, you're saying you're lost. You you don't know what to fight for now. Just value your own experiences. And, like, they had those experiences, whether they were in the Matrix, so to speak, or not. And mm-hmm. I think that there is, again, just like, you know, we talked, I mentioned about Subaru, like, those people really did die and other people really did fight to try to protect them and they protected some of them and didn't protect others. And, you know, they fought with their comrades and like all those things are, are real. And so like, I mean, I think they did achieve something um, from their point of view. And that's, that is important. You know, like we're very much privileging the point of view of the system, uh, you know, and of like the total knowledge of everything. Um, but just wanted to give a small shout out to the tankers. Like, it just, I just don't yeah. think like that I'll, they've lived like a pointless life, you know, even though no, they're stuck no. in it. Like, it's not their I mean, fault, you know. Yeah. I mean, on the flip side of it, to be fair to them as much as you, as you said, if they didn't fix the wall, well, more of them would have died. Yeah. So it's not a, it's, so so purely in that term, it's not a, you know, it's not a bad thing that they mm-hmm. did that, but it doesn't ultimately change the game so to speak it doesn't upend the right. rules and decad- i think decadence's argument as a show is that if you want to affect change you don't you know bend the rules you break them you tear them down and you start yeah. fresh it doesn't advocate for pussyfooting around mm-hmm. like if decadence were to elect like uh to borrow again unfortunately from real life if it were to nominate someone for like president of the united states it'd be a sanders rather than be right yeah, uh, that sounds really daft. But I you know do. my point. Like it advocates for radic- it advocates for radical change. Mm-hmm. That's the theme this show is getting, and it shows Kabaragi's failure in doing so with Natsume in such a way that he actually makes things worse for her, makes her more powerful. Yeah. Which is, I thought that was devastating. It is. And I could see why he got so angry at it afterwards. Because when she's crying to him, like saying, "Like I need to work harder," mm. what he realizes, what he fills in at the end of her sentences. I need to work harder to perpetuate this system that does that would otherwise like you know chew me up and spit me out. Yeah, 
Just yeah. Like, oh, just like, I need to and that run me, faster on this ham. No, I was sorry. just going to say, like, I need to run faster on this hamster wheel. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, again, that's one thing I have to credit the show for. Like, I've taught, for example, about the idea of micro and macro level examination in science fiction, where you look at how it affects people and how it affects societies. Decadence is nailing both of mm-hmm. them. It's so very human at parts. I'm not just talking about the actual humans, like Kabaragi for himself. Like he's suicidal at the start. Like that's why, I, again, I've made many point many times that the robots are just as much victims. Totally, totally, and that's a really nice segue into my next talking point, actually. Uh, and that is like, I think that this show walks the thin line v- extremely well of allowing some characters, yeah, I think four of them, like I think Faye, Turkey, Minato, and Natsume at one point, they all say like, we're happy with the status quo. We didn't want mm-hmm. everything to change. Um, most people say they didn't want anything to change. You know, Minato is like, I just wanted like nostalgia, right? Like, I just wanted to do things like we used to. Faves, like, nothing had to change. Mm-hmm. Turkey, also, like, I just wanted things to keep going as they were. It was enough for me to to do the prison and be the, you know, big big badass in the prison oh, hey, what, what about what about what about Sarkozy though like give him give Sarkozy the props he is due because holy crap the poor guy like he is kowtowed into like you know falling in line even with this little sub narrative that Turkey's doing. oh man yeah S- Sark yeah. is like a different deal because like he he's like the one I mean he he's so good but but just to like to tie a bow on this point and and Natsume too she's like I just didn't want I wanted to change myself I didn't want to change everything um i think in doing this the show is sympathetic to these characters to a degree that like and show that there's all kinds of reasons that people would want to not have revolution to to not upend the order of the world even if it's unjust to um to continue with the status quo because and it's not just like so i can have all the money so i can have all the power like sometimes it's like you know so I can live a peaceful, small life with my friend and she won't die. And sometimes it's like, you know, so I can feel good about myself. Like I can I can stay in this prison and but I'll be number I'll be reigning in hell, like you said. Right. Um, even though I, I know it. And sometimes it's like so I can relive the good old days. Um, but but make no bones about it. Decadence is never saying that those people are correct. It is. It, it lends them empathy, like the characters are human and is sympathetic towards their feelings. But it's never like, and that's why we shouldn't have revolution. It still is like, hey, no, what we need to do is break these rules over our knee and break yeah. the system and redo it. It does. It does. It it doesn't trivialize the process of going through that and how traumatic it is, both for the individual and for the society. Exactly. Totally. Um, and I think I just credit to this because this is hard to do. I mean, it's it will be really easy to slip into some um, like both sidesism and for it to feel just yucky and like the show didn't really have a point of view, but it really does have a strong point of view. Uh, but I think it also has like this clarity, right, to to see these other people um, as human and acknowledge, like you said, that like it's it's human to 
recognize that this huge change is going to come with a, a lot of cost and pain and m- might take away things that I really, really like. And acknowledging those feelings, that they're real. Um, gosh, man. Like, and I, I'm, I'm glad that it does this. Because in the beginning, I was like really annoyed with Faye. It's like, Faye, like, why don't you, why don't you help your friend? Like, what are you doing? Why are you like jealous of her? Like, what's going But like, I've really come around on her and the role that she does play in the greater story. I really like mm. it. Um, she she's not she's not exactly the same as Turkey, but she suffers from the same uh, viewpoint as Turkey, which is you know I'm comfortable. Yep. Totally, and and I love that she says like being around you, Natsume, when you're this way makes me feel bad. Like that, mm. that's so accurate and true. Like you know, ah, oh, I don't want to feel guilty. Because I like my little comforts. And when you start talking about changing everything, I know deep down that you're right. But I don't want I don't want that for myself. Like it was so cool. Yeah. Um Yeah. Some I mean, to make a metaphor here, like the truth as we say, like, I mean, this is again truth and happiness. It's true for like, you know, it's the same for, you know, Turkey, it's the same for Faye, it's the same for all of them. The truth can be you know scorching it can be blinding are you really up for staring straight at it yeah yeah it's uncomfortable it's true man yeah th- man i well i'm i'm out of talking points do well, you have any more i, I didn't but then you mentioned sarkozy and i was like god we should talk about sarkozy yeah we we, we should like i i really really like what happened with him in the end because Make no mistake, like, there's also the physical element of the cyborgs. Uh, I mean, there's the reason that Donatello is able to fight off the game police, because he literally is a gigantic, like, I I don't know how to describe it. He looks like something that Eggman would make (laughs) if he was also, like, you know, really, really into um, cyberpunk. You know, he looks like he looks like a Sonic villain with a little Mega Man cannon. Whereas Sarkozy, as we've joked before, looks like he's out of the film Robots. He looks like he couldn't, like... (laughs) Like, he, he looks... Pathetic, mm-hmm. and I don't mean that. And I don't mean that because I believe that, but I can see how, like, you. But even he proves, and I think that's why it's important that we see someone who looks the way he does. Like, he proves that even he can contribute in a massive way by basically being the catalyst for destroying the uh, ship factory and the um, and the Gadol yeah. factory. I have to wonder, maybe though, like, if the show kind of might have a bit of an off point in that, though, in the for the weak for weak people like him the only way to do so is through sacrifice hmm i hadn't thought about that that's interesting yeah yeah i don't know um but i think that maybe the point i should be more trying to take away here is that ultimately he decided something for himself rather than let it be dictated to him by turkey he didn't allow himself to be comfortable heck in fact he allowed himself to be uncomfortable in the way that it was most difficult and no i'm not talking about the fact that he shoved a tank up his butt which no. is weird no, yeah but uh yeah no i like i i for all that he was like a side character uh really um he even he got his yeah to shine. he's so important like because the fact that he is a side character like they can kind of use him to really quickly communicate um and, and efficiently communicate um i don't know of like kind of the things that they want to say longer term through longer arcs with the characters because like you said he was weak he um bought into you know turkey's like um 
you know, bullshit that you and I could obviously see through, but like he was pretty easily deceived. Well, well, it's like it's like what we said in the answer to Kate's question at the very beginning. It's very easy for us to be like, oh, come on, Sam. Yeah. But if we were in the same situation as him, I can't say that I would act any different. I know, like to, <sighs> I don't even know if I'd have the courage necessarily to like give my life. For the cause no, of totally. And I mean, like he's probably been there with these people for a while. Like they've been in prison together for a while. They're the closest thing he still has to family, and one of them is confiding in him. Um, and so. Yeah, that he makes this like authentic choice. And I love that the show has this other refrain. You know, we just talked about the refrain of um, it was enough for me. I didn't want to change the world. Living this way was enough for me. This other kind of counter refrain of like, what is it like pushing yourself to your limits? Like, I feel like therein lies a lot of answers if we unpack it, because that was what Sark needed to hear like, because he didn't know what to do. Um, he didn't know, like, the truth, kind of, like, w- how he should act. Like, how do I pick? Like, what's the right uh, moral calculus I should use? And, like, I think push yourself to your limits if, you know, you take that phrase and maybe take another step or two with it. Maybe the idea is, like, rather than make some great moral calculation about, like, cost benefit or pleasure pain uh or or anything like that um maybe the idea is like you kind of go with your gut in terms of what you feel is right like however you make the choice the point is that like you make it really really hard go no limit once you make it and like and make it authentically like you know like natsume always says like decide for yourself and then once you've decided you pick up the Kaburagi refrain of push yourself to your limits, like do everything you absolutely can. And that's how you kind of lead this authentic life. And like in the end, Sark was like, he was the best of us. You know what I mean? Like he, he did some (laughs) shit, but like, I think he was totally saved by the end, like his choice. I mean, not just because he made it happen for real, but like, you know, just in a, in a sense of like the moral weight of his choices, like, I think he ended up being on like the right side of things. Absolutely. Yeah. Even, even, and again, even to the show's credit, even a small character like him, a side character plays an important part that gels with the overall ideas the show is presenting while making him worthwhile in his own right. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have anything else to add? I don't think so. I mean, I've got a lot of notes, but like, I don't know if I can synthesize them into, you know, talking Mm -hmm. points. Um, yeah well um i suppose we'll wrap up then so we'll rate these episodes as we uh, want to do um so again this is for episode seven eight nine sorry seven eight nine and ten. Ooh. um i feel i feel a bit of consternation about racing these episodes at all because of the fact that my main criticism about the big gadol really rests on what they do with it but I do, however, have to say that even though there is what they do of it, how it was introduced doesn't mesh with the rest of the show anyway. So even if they ultimately course correct and do something good with it, uh, it doesn't actually still mesh with what's what's going on. Unless they go again for the route of, hey, it just got out of control. Um, but beyond that, and beyond my mild concerns about Natsume, like uh, Natsume's purpose in the show from a narrative standpoint, it's still as good as it's ever been. It gives me hope it will finish strongly. Uh, it really, really understands the reality of how people would act in these mm-hmm. scenarios. 
uh, like it understands human nature and psychology both on an individual and a group level in such an incredibly like pragmatic way it recognizes that there will be people like Faye and Turkey who are comfortable in their place even if it is a place of like you know mean like you know where you've got very little mm-hmm. to your name where you're literally the king of the shit factory like it rec- like it's honest about it it doesn't try and Jill. sugarcoat either the, yeah it, it it doesn't try and sugarcoat the way in which people would act in these scenarios nor does it try and sugarcoat the difficulty of change and transition in a worldview that you go from knowing one thing to knowing another and your life has been turned upside down it it's very very human mm-hmm both for its cyborg characters and for its actual human ones. Yeah. Uh, it still looks great. Mm-hmm. There's still some great comedy bits in it. Like, it never feels like the tone clashes. It's wonderfully consistent throughout. Uh, some of the shots and framing are phenomenally good. They, like, really do feel textured, like that they really wanted you to derive actual meaning from it rather than just being storyboarded as, this is where they must be, so we will have them do things here. Like, no, we'll have details that will impart meaning on this scene. Um, so... With the, like, small complaints I have, um, which I hope get negated in the end, uh, I am going to give this block of episodes, and I'm going horse now, so this is probably a good time to say for me to finish, I'm going to give these block of episodes uh, 4.5 out of 5 uh, pipe dog bowls no longer used. Oh, pipe! I mean, I mean can we just, can I, can I just point out again, like, how brutal that scene is where Kabaragi just literally comes in and Pipe's, like, jacket is there. Because he's long since gone. We don't even see him go. I know. Pour one out for Pipe. Uh, and I would say pour... Maybe we were the monsters. <laughs> I, pour, I would... <laughs> I, have, <laughs> I have in my notes also pour one out for the Pokemon. That is the Gaddle that we thought died. But it very much came back to life. Um, we No, Yuki, we haven't talked about Jill. Which is like a sad I, indictment I, on us. Because Jill rules. I, no, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be fair here. Like Jill, Jill is great, but I think that she's very utilitarian in her purpose. Yeah, she is there to be, she is there to be the uh, the dater, if you want to call that the person who runs. Yeah, mm-hmm. the hacker. Mm-hmm. That's that that's her plan. Uh, that, sorry, that's her role in the show, and she's she is great very in good that, that respect. Yeah. And she and yeah, but she doesn't really otherwise serve any purpose other than just simply being the means through which Kabaragi gets into. Decadence, I hope yeah. we like, and that's not me dying her. That's not me dying her. Like, or like, she serves a function in the show, but that's why I don't feel the need to talk about her all that much. I'm to say that she's cool and I like her design. And I like her voice. Our voice is great. Design is so good. Um, I, uh, I, I hope that we get some. Well, I can't decide. Maybe it will be better as a mystery. Because, like, who is Jill really? Like, how is she able to like do the things that she does? Right. Um. I originally programmed I, yeah, it. Yeah, right? Is she, like, is she the architect? Or, like, is she... <laughs> oh, well, well, that would explain why she's in prison, because she's, like, you know, too knowledgable. Yeah. It's a, it's a uh, Robespierre could... situation, right? You know, it's like, oh, oh we, you man. you were the architect of all this, but you've outlived your usefulness. <laughs> now the, the system is, is fine now, and we don't need you fucking with it anymore, so goodbye. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if I would rather it be a mystery or not, but no, she's great. She rules. Um, Yuki Nun says, wasn't Pipe a bug? I think similar to how the big bad nuke at all, he might have survived. Um, um, I think it's like, is he a bug? 
Because, I mean, the, the Switch was just about, like, all the living Gaddle, like, erase them. I don't. I don't think. The, I don't think the new Gaddle was a bug either. Like, I'm because it still died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just. It just inexplicably managed to <laughs> impregnated you know, the guy. Yeah. Pull, <laughs> yeah. To, to to pull the uh, the xenomorph yeah. shit, which again is it's a nitpick on that. Um, I would feel a little bit cheated if that turned out to be the case that Pipe had survived. Uh huh. Um, yeah. Because I because th- I think that you know is part of the whole. Um, there are consequences yes. to these yes. actions, I kind agree. of thing. I don't. I think that Pipe in a similar vein, like we're not meant to think that the Gadol like not not all monsters necessarily, but rather I think we're mean, meant to realize that Kabaragi, like the, there are things that he is sacrificing um, beyond simply like his own like life and well being. It, it affects others. Like so, mm-hmm. that's the way I see. It. I think I think Pipe is just a utilitarian inclusion again to be like for Kabaragi's benefit rather than being like oh we should feel bad because Doggo dead no. like. I mean, we, we do. do. We yeah. do. Don't I, I see that. But I think I think the I, I think the point is just to show there's a cost. Um, I'm also going to rate these really high. Um, I the only like time during the episodes that I thought kind of negatively about them. Well, after the fact, what we talked about with the new big gaddle, I think that's could potentially be not good. I mean, I think even like, yeah. If it shifts the focus away from what's gone before, I think it's a mistake. Um, not a like show killer in and of itself, but it's it's a misstep. But the, the only other time was like at some point during all the stuff that's going on in the prison, they just sort of stopped kind of having the regular shit falling on you, work patrols, and the guards i mean what the fuck were the guards doing like that one time it cut to the guard room and they had to turn on the monitors because <laughs> were they just <laughs> not watching while this revolution i mean and where did they get the dynamite to like do this you know what i mean it's like at, it's at some point they just kind of like we're like okay whatever needs to happen should happen here and like it really is a nitpick, you know. I told you I had a nitpick. This is my one and only. I mean, how? Nitpick. Why? Why? I mean, I mean, why does Donatello's film? <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not the worst. I mean, there. Are, I'm sure there are explanations that could be had, but it is a thing. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, when you get to stuff like this, where it's that kind of nitpicky, this doesn't make any logical sense. Like, the question you have to ask yourself is: Okay, does this ruin it for me, or not? Or is it something I can just let slide? Um. I think that the rule I tend to go with is, is is that it's as important as the show makes it to be. If they, for example, had made a big song and dance about Donatello's gun being disabled and then it inexplicably came back, then I would be really annoyed. But they've never mentioned any; just it just works. So I'm like, okay, you know what? Yeah, fine. You haven't made yeah. a big deal of it, so I won't either. Um, but but so those are the only two, and you mentioned so many of the positives. I mean, I just love the story of the show. I love. Um... <laughs> God bless Bless you. you. I love the thematic ground it's treading and all the different things that you can mine from that and we can talk about. I mean, this is a great piece of art. Uh, I think it's like a... So far, it is just this advertisement for original anime. Like, man. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) You know, now now that you brought up, I cannot recall the last time I was like... This late in the game in the show's life cycle, this enthralled about one that was from like from an original property. 
Uh, I'm sure I could probably think of one given a long enough time frame, but like a lot of my top shows uh, are those adapted from manga. Mm-hmm. And we discussed before about the idea of how anime is often written as it is being developed and aired, which is, in my opinion, a mistake. Uh, but I understand the realities of production that media yeah. happens. Um, Macross is the only big, like, just... big, huge thing that I always think of is like, oh, there's an anime. This is this is still carrying the flame for original non-adapted anime. Um yeah. Uh, Ikahara, I suppose you could throw in mm. there. Like, he's done some incredible stuff, of course. Um, but Promare? Oh, like- totally. Yeah. That's a, yeah. As a, well, so it, I think they might, well, mm, 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 I don't know. Maybe maybe it's easier to do as a film. Um, I just, they're so much more rare, I feel like, in television. I think the ratio to, of adaptations to yeah. original works based on my anecdata, my own personal experience, is... You're, did you just call I did call anecdata? it anecdata, yes. That's incredible. Um, <laughs> I cannot believe I've never thought that. That's amazing. Um, yeah, it's only oh uh, fucking... Uh, we just don't get them in television as often. Um, yeah, and yeah. so Yuki lists a couple of other good examples um, as well. Um, you know, not saying every anime has to be original. I mean, there's a place for adaptations. Um, absolutely, oh, abso- both absolutely. an artistic place and a financial place. Um, but it would just be, I think, more refreshing to see more like totally original ideas uh, become anime TV shows. Uh, but but no, these episodes rocked. They they were really really good. Um, I'm gonna give them. Uh, I'm also going to do, I'm going to do four and a half, um, but I am going to do four and a half um, unshakable boobs uh, out of five. Because do you remember that scene when Natsume jumped into? No, 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 stop, 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 stop. I need to find out. I know exactly what scene you're talking about. And I was thinking to myself, I'm not going to proactively bring this up. And we got all the way through. We got to the end. And all I'm going to say is that Kuranai is wearing one fucking amazing sports bra. And I will say no more than that. Well, then I think that that's, yeah, that's my score. We will not explain it any further. Yes, so Doc's awarded four and a half tips to this show. So with that, on that note, let us call it an evening. Uh, but uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast and you would like to hear more of it, uh, feel free to check us out at patreon.com forward slash worriedeshow. Uh, we've got tons of benefits on there. You can get yourself subscribed to the free dollar tier to continue listening to Decadence if you're not already doing so. Uh, we'll be back, of course, for our finale in a three weeks' time. Uh, or rather two possibly even depending on how it goes uh, I've, I've lost track of time it's all i know i, I just know when thursdays <laughs> are because all i ever see is out touch thursdays that keeps me going uh, but point being we'll be covering that we'll be covering showa geroko rako shinjo uh fully finishing off bna as well at some point soon uh, and a, you getting involved by the way means you can also help us choose our next shows to cover oh yeah so that's, that's coming up uh, it's coming up. So get on that. Check out all the benefits. Uh, do feel free to take a look. If you don't want to help us uh, financially, that's perfectly fine. Times are tough for all of us. I 100% get that. All I would ask in that case is if you've enjoyed this podcast, just subscribe to us on Twitter and YouTube, the usual places. Give us a like. Give us some constructive feedback. You know, if you didn't enjoy it, then let us know why. Let us know what we can do better. Always up for that stuff as long as it's done in good faith. Uh, 
Apple Apple uh, Pods. Apple Pods five yes. snakes. Throw them up. Write Oof. a review. Just write it rocks. It whips, rules, shreds, whatever <laughs> vernacular you feel most represents how you feel. Write it. <laughs> it rips, that's for sure. So on that note, um, we will conclude here. Uh, thank you again, everyone, especially to our patrons who've thrown in questions and to support us. Uh, we will return for the fi- finale of Decadence where I am praying, I'm praying I at least get to say that it ends as well as yeah. it started. Um, but even then, it's still been an incredible show to mm-hmm. talk about so far. Uh, to you, Doc, thank you for joining me again to talk about this um, every couple of weeks. It's great. Um, I'm really, really enjoying I'm enjoying talking about this show. I'm excited for what comes next. Uh, and to all of you out there, I understand that times are shit right now. Uh, I've been feeling that very acutely recently. Um, I won't pretend like I've been feeling any better about it. But um, I wish you all the best. I wish you all the happiness and health that you can have. Um, stay strong. Uh, we will get through this. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And as we often say on this podcast, embrace you, everyone. It's the end of the universe. Have a cracking weekend. Take care. Bring back the brothers. I already did. Squaresoft, bring back the brothers in a new video game. Watch your head run.